Welcome. Thanks for joining us. This is Sunday, July the 24th. I'm really glad you're here. This will be the last Sunday that we're in our study on 1 Peter. We're going to be in 1 Peter 5 today, verses 6 to the end, verse 6 to 14. And so we're going to finish up 1 Peter today. We're excited too about the study that we're going to start next week. Uh, we're going to, there's a new song that's popular on the Christian channels called Crazy People. And basically, it's talking about crazy people of faith. So we're going to pick out six people or groups of people, maybe a little combination of both. And for six weeks, we're going to talk about six people or groups of people that really had crazy faith and did things that were just were crazy at the time, just plum crazy. And, uh, you know, if they do those things today, we'd probably think about locking them up. But... Uh, uh, so we're going to go through that for the next six weeks. So stick with us. I hope you enjoy that. Uh, six crazy people of faith. But we're going to finish out 1 Peter today, 1 Peter 5. Uh, I thought to start, we'd just kind of glance back and see what's happened in 1 Peter. Uh, I've really enjoyed doing this study. I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope you've gotten a lot out of 1 Peter. There's some really great stuff here. Of course, there's great stuff in all the scripture, but... There's some really good lessons to be learned from 1 Peter. Uh, in chapter 1 and then into the beginning of chapter 2, uh, we talked about, uh, of course, Peter introduced the book, and then we talked about the future inheritance that we have, the present joy that we're going to enjoy down the road. We talked about the preparation, the price, the purification. And then kind of getting into chapter 2, Peter challenged us to have certain behaviors, new behaviors, really. Uh, we talked about our Christian conduct, how we conduct ourselves as witnesses to what Jesus is in us or that what Jesus has done for us. Uh, we talked about conduct as citizens of the Christian people. Uh, we talked about Christian conduct of slaves and how, in some extent, we live our lives as slaves. Then we got into, in chapter 3, some behaviors in the family, things that go on in the family, some interesting family dynamics. Talked about uh, Christian conduct as wives, and then the next week we talked about uh, how husbands should conduct themselves. Then as we kind of slid into uh, kind of the end of 3, we talked about having uh, compassionate conduct, how we could live our lives out to show compassion for people around us. We talked about living with a clear conscience. And then kind of in chapter 4, we slid into sort of a multi-week view about the suffering that we will undergo uh, as believers in Jesus. Of course, we relate this back to Peter was talking to this group of people that at the time that the scripture was written and at the time Peter was writing these letters, Peter was writing, remember, to a group of people that had been dispersed out of their homeland they were living in the Roman Empire under persecution. Uh, the church was a scattered group. They were meeting uh, in homes and in places as groups of believers, but the church had been scattered. And so Peter's writing to these groups of people and trying to encourage them. He's writing, this letter came from Rome out into the provinces of Asia Minor. And Peter was just trying to say, you know, be encouraged. There's, you're going to have some tough times but keep your head up and just keep believing, have faith, uh, lean on truth and lean on each other. So we kind of, then we uh, went through chapter four, talked about Christ-like attitude, service, faith, 
uh, we, and then in chapter 5, Peter is going to finish up talking about the responsibility that we have. Last week, you'll remember that we talked about living a life based in humility. And that's tough. It's tough to live a life that way. Uh, you, you will remember that Moses wrote that he was the most humble man in the Bible. And, you know, really, probably if I'm the most humble man in the Bible, I probably don't need to write that. Uh, maybe I'm not the most humble man in the Bible, but it was good enough for Moses, so who am I to question? Today we're just going to sort of finish up. There are some attitudes that we can have toward God, about God, uh, attitudes in our life that we can live out to show people how, how important God is to us, how important Jesus is, and the hope that Jesus has for us. So we're going to finish out the chapter today, and, and I hope today is meaningful for you. Let's pray and get started. Father God, just thank you for today and thank you for the people that are listening. God, just uh, let me have the right words to say. God, as, as I say every week, the people that are listening today need to hear from you, not from me. So I just ask you to speak through me. Give me the right words to say so that the words that I say today will have meaning and substance and not just be gibberish and clanging symbols. God, thank you especially. Just, just thank you, God. Just, you know, sometimes we don't even know what to say. Just thank you. Um, it, we sure could use some rain. It sure has been hot, but God, just thank you. Thank you that we have another day. And uh, thank you, God, that Jesus is coming back. And uh, he can come back. We're ready. So he can come back any time that, that he gets ready and whatever your plan is. But thank you, God, for Jesus and everything he does for us. And we pray this in Jesus' strong name. Amen. So we're going to start today in First uh, Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 14. We're kind of ending up this section on suffering, and we're going to slide into some attitudes. I want to read the passage, and then I want to talk about some of the words that we find in the passage and point out some meaning that's sort of hidden a little bit in here, but we'll pick it apart, and you'll see. 1 Peter 5, beginning in verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time. Casting all your cares on him because he cares about you. Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. The God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore establish, strengthen, and support you after you've suffered a little while. To him be dominion forever. Amen. Through Silvanus, a faithful brother as I consider him, I have written to you briefly in order to encourage you and to testify that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you greetings, as does Mark, my son, Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. One of the things that, uh, as I prepare these lessons, I use a computer program called Logos, and you can, it's, man, it's just super powerful. It's much smarter than I am. Of course, a little flip phone smarter than I am these days. But one of the things that Logos uh, made apparent to me is I have a setting turned on for active verbs. Active verbs show up kind of in a red background with a little flame around them, like they're burning, and that gets my attention. 
there's some active verbs that are in these passages, and they're, they're words that you don't really think about being active verbs, but I wanted to run through these because Peter's not just saying there's some great things here. He's giving some commands. He's saying it's, it's not enough to just sit and expect these blessings, this grace of God that's going to descend on us. We got to be we got to be doing things. We got to be active, and so the active verbs in verse six, uh, as it starts off, it says, "Humble yourselves." Humble is an active verb, and that means really live your life out expecting and being humble, having humility, not worrying about what's in it for you, but thinking about living a life for Jesus. In verse eight. Be sober-minded. Sober-minded is an active verb. That means you got to you got to do it. You got to be taking that action to be sober-minded. Alert. Be alert. Uh, not just yeah. I was kind of sitting on the couch and you know I I remember the news saying this happened. No. Be be actively looking and watching for things that are going on. Resist in verse nine. Resist the devil that's prowling around like a roaring lion. Verse 9 starts, resist him firm in the faith. Then in verse 12, he's talking about, he says, stand firm. Stand firm in the true grace of God. <clears throat> in verse 14, he says, greet one another with a kiss of love. The greet is the active verb there. So there are some attitudes we can adopt then because we have encouragement living a life for Jesus. One of the first ones is trust. We need to have an attitude of trust in our lives. And we certainly need to have an attitude of trust toward God and Jesus and the Word of God. You can trust the Word of God to be true. You can know that God meant what he said he meant it then, he means it now, he'll mean it for all time. So trust. We get that out of Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. The next thing we get, the next attitude that we can have is faith. Let's go to Matthew eight ten. Hearing this, Jesus was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with so great a faith. Living a life following Jesus would be tough and it would be a lot less meaningful without the faith that we can have in Jesus and the promises of God. We can stand on something and we can live our lives on a truth because of the faith that we have in the promises of God. So living with truth, living with faith. Thirdly, Living with thankfulness. You know, there's times there's, so, there's times that I pray and I just, I'm not sure. I know I need to thank God. There's just so many things that God has done for me. And uh, there's sometimes I don't even know what to thank him for. So I just, I just tell God, thank you. God knows what he's done and I don't need to remind him. And sometimes I just need to just say thank you. We can have a thankfulness for the grace and mercy and peace that God bestows down on us. Uh, those are things he doesn't have to give us, but he gives those things to us because he loves us. So we want to be thankful. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says it this way, Give thanks in everything, 
for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks for everything. Everything. Sometimes we even need to give thanks for the hard times. There's things that we'll go through. There's lessons I've learned in life that were tough lessons to learn. But some of the best lessons I've learned have been in hard times. And I need to be thankful to God that he put me through those hard times. He let me walk through that relying on him. Sometimes I walked through hard times and deepened my reliance on God. I've told you before, people say that, you know, God won't give you anything that you can't get through. And that's just not true. That is so not true. God will put stuff in front of us all the time that we can't get through. But God won't put anything in front of you that he can't get you through. So we need to be thankful to God for those things. Uh, the fourth attitude that we need to live with is an attitude of praise. We need to come before God and just praise him. Just walk into the temple of God and just give him praise. We have so many blessings, so many things go right in our life because of what God has done for us. We need to give God the praise for that. It's not me. It's not me that's come up with all this stuff on my own. It's because of God. And we need to give him praise in Hebrews 13, 15. Therefore, through him, let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. That is, the fruit of lips that confess his name. We need to be bold and praise God. When we are in worship to God, we need to offer full praise to him. Because it's him. It's not us. The next uh, attribute that we can have is an attribute of prayerfulness. Nothing Nothing happens good for us until we put ourselves, put our lives, yield our lives to an attitude of prayer. We need to start our day with prayer. We need to end our day with a prayer of thanksgiving that we made it through another day. God will not work and move until we are praying and becoming people of prayer. When, when we need something to happen in the church, we don't do it by saying, you know, God, we sort of need... Uh, some new pews, or God, it sure would be nice if if we could get this to happen in the church. Or we need some more money to, to run a soup kitchen. You know, that's just not, that's not how we do it. We need to pray. And we need to, when we pray, we align our minds with the, with the mind and will of God. God will give me what I pray for if what I'm praying for is within God's will for me. I can pray to win the lottery this Friday night. But if it's not in God's will for me, I won't win the lottery. And I especially won't this Friday night because I haven't bought a ticket. Uh, if I don't buy a ticket, I'm probably not going to win unless God figures that out. Now, God could do that, but he hadn't seen fit to do it yet. But we need to pray to God and get our minds aligned with him. We don't need to remind God about stuff. God doesn't need me to remind him about what's going on. But we need to pray and be thankful. The next thing we, the next attitude we need to have is an attitude of reverence. Psalm 5, 7. But I enter your house by the abundance of your faithful love. I bow down toward your holy temple in reverential awe of you. God is the creator of the universe. Say that again. God is the creator of the universe. God is the creator of you. God is the creator of me. We need to be in reverence to God for those things. God is an awesome God. 
there is only one God. Uh, there are people that are confused and think there's multiple gods, but they're wrong. God is a singular God, and we need to give him the reverence that that status enjoys. Uh, there are people in our society that we give certain benefits to, not because of who they are as a person, but because of the office that they hold. Let me tell you what, none of them hold an office as important as the office that God holds. One of the last things, one of the last attributes is watchfulness. We need to be on watch for a lot of different things. We need to be on watch for the, the great things God does in our life. We need to be on watch so that we don't miss those things. We need to be on watch for people around us that need to hear about the love of Jesus. We need to be on watch for people that need a hand up. Uh, we need to be on watch for our Christian brothers and sisters as they struggle through things. We need to be watchful, Colossians 4.2. Devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. Be watchful. Uh, going down the list, continuing, hope. We need to have hope. If, loving God is what gives us hope. We live a life full of hope because of the love that God has for us. Job 13, 15. Uh, Job, a guy that had every reason not to have hope. I mean, he was having some bad, bad days. Job 13, 15, even if it kills me, I will hope in him. I will still defend my ways before him. Job's saying, you know what? If God chooses that I die, I'm going to die, but I'm still going to have hope in God that he took care of me. And we can have that same hope in our lives. One of the last ones, one of the last attributes is love. Deuteronomy 6, 5, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. We need to start by loving God. We need to love Jesus. And because of our love for God and for Jesus, and more importantly, because of the love that God has for us, for me, I need to love the people around me. I need to show the people around me the love of Jesus in my deeds and my actions. Uh, I need to do things and help people because it's a sign of what God's love is. We talked about humility, we talked about self-denial, and lastly is submission, James 4, 7. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. As we close this out, at the end of 1 Peter 5, uh, toward the end, especially 12 through 14, Peter's saying he kind of, he steps back in, and, and you may not know this, but in the writings, uh, most of the time Paul, and in this case I believe Peter, did not actually pen the actual words. They had scribes. They would talk and, and discuss, and the scribes would actually write the letters. But in verse 12, Peter says, uh, with the help of Silas, Silvanus is Silas, is, is the other name, it's clear that Silas was penning the verses but at the end, Peter picked up the pen and said, I'm going to put my hand to pen and finish this letter. Paul did the same thing. And we know that because we can, as we see the actual manuscripts, at the end of the letter, we can tell where Paul wrote. He wrote much bigger, different style, and we know that Paul took the pen in hand to finish the letter as a sign of respect, as a sign of love to who he was writing to. Um, we know that uh, as we close this out, that Peter closes this 
with the theme of God's grace. God's grace is, is just a gift that's, uh, I, I don't even have words to describe it. The grace that God shows me, the grace God shows you, the grace God shows his people is just overwhelming. Uh, God loves you, and, and God is graceful and merciful toward you. Does that mean there won't be hard times? Nope. But through God's grace and God's love, you'll get through the hard times. So Peter's closing out by reminding the people about the grace that they get from God and the God of all grace. Warren Wiersbe says it this way, When we suffer, we come to the end of ourselves and learn to lean on him. Grace is supplied only to those who sense their need for him. So as we close this out, how do we apply the book of 1 Peter? There's some lessons that we can learn from this book. First, we can be supportive of and willing to follow godly pastoral leadership in the church. The leaders in your church should be godly men that are leading you and women in certain positions of leadership. If at some point I become a leader that is not a godly leader, I got to go. You got to get rid of me. And it's time for me to move on to doing something else. Godly leadership. Secondly, Peter tells us to avoid any pastor or Christian leader who abuses his authority and is preoccupied with money or personal gain. There's no, there's no place for that in a Christian leader. No place for thinking money and, and, and personal financial riches are, are the goal. It's just not a place for that. Thirdly, Peter tells us in this book, evaluate your life and your attitudes at all times. Make sure everything you're doing is motivated by love and not motivated by pride. There's no place for pride in how we're living our lives as believers of Christ. Fourthly, attempt to model our church in an attitude that says, what can I give to this ministry with thanks from God? As opposed to an attitude that says, what can I get out of this church? There's too many people going to churches this day that are about, well, what's in it for me? What do I get out of coming? I came Sunday. I didn't hear the song I wanted to hear. I, the preacher didn't preach on the message I wanted. It's not about that. It's not about what I get out of it. It's about what can I add to God's work in the kingdom. Nextly, cultivate an, an active trust in God, especially during your times of stress or trouble. Pray, get in God's word, and trust God. God won't let you down. God's going to take care of it according to his plan one way or the other. So let him take care of it. Ask the Lord to increase your willingness and ability to trust him. God gives us the Holy Spirit to help us live our lives patterned after Jesus. Let the Holy Spirit work. Don't get in the Holy Spirit's way. Don't go toward pridefulness or arrogance or haughtiness. Let the Holy Spirit talk to you. That little voice in your head that sounds like your voice, but it's always right and it always says the right things, that's not your voice. That's the voice of the Holy Spirit. So listen. Listen to what it's saying. Remind yourself where you might be if it weren't for the grace of God in your life. Think back. If, if it weren't for God and the grace of God, there's no telling where I would have ended up. But God took care of me. And because of his grace, I'm here to talk to you today. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. I hope I'm doing a good job for God. Lastly, write down the names of some people that have encouraged or helped you this year and give them thanks. Reach out and tell them, you know, during this year I had some troubles. I just want to tell you thank you. And you know what? Then 
write down a list of people that you need to help and encourage. I hope these things have been helpful today. I hope you enjoyed this study in First Peter. I hope you have a great year. We're going to pray for some rain, and we're going to see where God puts us. Let's pray. Father God, just thank you for the study that we've had. Thank you for the great time I've had working through this with Sean. And thank you for his willingness and perseverance in preparing and preaching your word live. God, thank you. Just going to say thank you to, to end. God, thank you for everything that you do. For me, for your church, for the people around me, God, just thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.